Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is Friday, April 14th, and today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous on page 26, with the paragraph starting with a certain businessman. Today's readers are, and thank you for your service, Stephanie L., Carolyn S.H., Rosie G., Lindsay B., and Nancy T., the reference number for yesterday's meeting at 10 a.m. on April 13th is 9836, and today's 7 a.m. meeting, 9839. That's 9836 for yesterday, 10 a.m., 9839 for today's 7 a.m. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overreader who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that the people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Lindsay B. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Lindsay. Yes, good morning. This is Lindsay B. recovered from New Hampshire. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made the decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, I pass. Thank you, Lindsay B. I will now ask for Nancy T. to read the 12 traditions. Go ahead, Nancy. Thank you, Amy. Good morning. This is Nancy T. from Lewiston, Idaho, covering compulsive reader of the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, our loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive reader who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. 
We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy T. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. And please, if you can avoid it, don't speak on um, speakerphone because that causes an echo. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous on page 26, starting with a certain businessman, going through the next four paragraphs onto page 27, the top of the page, that says, willing to maintain a certain simple attitude. I will ask Stephanie L. to please start us out. Go ahead, Stephanie. Thank you. Hey, good morning, everyone. This is Stephanie L., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Southern California and a grateful to be in recovery today. Um, A certain American businessman had ability, good sense, and high character. For years, he had floundered from one sanitarium to another. He had consulted the best-known American psychiatrist. Then he had gone to Europe, placing himself in the care of a celebrated physician, the psychiatrist Dr. Jung, who prescribed for him. Though experience had made him skeptical, he finished his treatment with unusual competence. His physical and mental condition were unusually good. Above all, he believed he had acquired such a profound knowledge of the inner workings of his mind and its hidden springs that relapse was unthinkable. Nevertheless, he was drunk in a short time. More baffling still, he could give himself no satisfactory explanation for his fall. So he returned to this doctor whom he admired and asked him point blank why he could not recover. He wished above all things to regain self-control. He seems quite rational and well-balanced with respect to other problems. Yet, he had no control whatever over alcohol. Why was this? He begged the doctor to tell him the whole truth, and he got it. In the doctor's judgment, he was utterly hopeless. He could never regain his position in society, and he would have to place himself under lock and key or hire a bodyguard if he expected to live long. That was a great physician's opinion. But this man still lives and is a free man. He does not need a bodyguard, nor is he confined. He can go anywhere on this earth where other free men may go without disaster, provided he remains willing to maintain a certain simple attitude. And this this is such an amazing story about Roland Hazard, who was a really, really hopeless um, drunk. And Roland Hazard came from um, a family with lots of money, So he goes and he finds the best psychiatrist he possibly can. And if I remember correctly, he tried to get Freud, but Freud wasn't available. So um, he asked Dr. Jung to help him. So he gets all this knowledge. You know, we read about it um, in this first paragraph. Um, You know, he believes he acquired such a a profound knowledge of the inner workings of his mind that relapse was unthinkable. Well, he gets drunk on the boat ride home. And, you know, and he's pulling his hair out going, what the hell just happened? And, the, and Dr. Jung tells him, you know, you are utterly hopeless unless, you, you know, you can get some kind of a psychic change. And, you know, I relate to this because this is so my story. I, you know, I, I've been in OA for a long time, had periods of abstinence. I relapsed after being in recovery for almost three years. And, um, you know, I had gotten lazy and life gets big and it gets colorful. And, um, 
you know, I stopped doing the things that had kept me in recovery, which was working the steps and giving back. And so there I was again with a head full of knowledge and, you know, face first in the food. And I, and, and it was an awful three and a half year relapse where I, at the end of that relapse, I didn't know if I wanted to, you know, I, I didn't believe that I could ever stop eating again. I didn't. And so, you know, what was the solution was to go and do the things that I had done before, which was in this book that we're reading, um, work these 12 steps, get a sponsor, work the 12 steps, you know, turn my will and my life over to higher power. And it says here in that last sentence of that paragraph, you know, you know, it says in that last paragraph, he is a free man and I am a free woman today. I am free of the obsession. I am free of the compulsion. And that's because I have to be willing and I have to maintain a certain simple attitude, which is to work these steps like my life depends upon it, which it does. And with that, um, I will pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for sharing. Now, who would like to share on what was read? Stephanie N. Stephanie N. Who was that after Stephanie? Penny L.C. I got Penny L.C. Go ahead. Go ahead. Who is that man, please? Oh, this is Len T. Okay. California. Len, is it P? Or do you say Ken? Uh, Len with an L. Okay. All right. Elaine B. Elaine B. Kathleen, did I hear? Yes, Kathleen O. Kathleen O. Anybody else? Sally from Park City. Sally, what's your last initial? W. Sally W. Anybody else? Or we'll stick with that lineup. I have Stephanie N., Penny C., Lynn P., Christina who? J. J, Christina J. Okay, so we'll go with this group. We've got Stephanie N., Penny C., Lynn P., Elaine B., Kathleen O., Sally W., and Christina J. So, Stephanie N., please go ahead. Thank you. This is Stephanie N., Recovered in Kansas. Um, He wished above all things to regain self-control. He seemed quite rational and well-balanced with respect to other problems, yet he had no control whatever over alcohol. Why was this? Um, So my last effort at self-control was intuitive eating, and I I was in program, and that was my food plan. I was like, oh, I'll just, you know, control my food. And, um, and I thought I was doing really great. I felt like, wow, this is so great, you know, and I, and I felt like I was controlling it and, and doing so well. And so, um, and I didn't have a sponsor at the time. I was trying to do the program on my own. And so um, a few of my friends went to the Region 4 conference and came back, and they said, you know, it was really stressed. Sponsorship was really stressed, and, and that stuck with me. And so, anyways, I got a sponsor, and um, she challenged my food plan and asked me, you know, how free do you want to be? And I said, well, I'm on step seven, and this is what I do with food. And she said, well, let's go back to step one and doctor's opinion, and then, um, you know, how free do you want to be? She kept asking me that, and I thought, what does she mean? Um, how free do you want to be? What does that mean? And so I thought I was free. I thought, I, you know, I get to eat all my foods, and um, and I thought that's what I was searching for. I thought that I had, you know, hit the uh, gold at the end of the rainbow. So I felt really great about it. Um, but I, I did, I started over, I started from step one and I laid down my foods and I was then free from the mental obsession all during that time of intuitive eating. All I thought about all day is, am I hungry? Am I hungry? And what am I going to eat? Oh, I'm going to eat this. As soon as I'm hungry, I'm going to eat this. I was so deep in the mental obsession and I had no idea what it was like to be free from the mental obsession until I laid down those foods and worked the steps with a recovered person. And once I became free, it's the greatest gift to not have that racket in my brain all day, asking myself, what am I going to eat and planning my next food? Even if I wasn't binging on it, I was thinking about it all day long. I was not free. I had no freedom. Um, so anyways, that um, self-control, that, that um um, you know, I just, I had to really let it go, let go of the idea that I could control the substance and admit my powerlessness. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you so much. 
Thank you, Stephanie N. Penny C, it's your turn. Thank you. This is Penny Elsie from the state okay, of Washington. Elsie. Thank you. I'm grateful recovered, uh, compulsive overeater, and thank you for your service. I wanted to comment on um, the paragraph where he's talking about, you know, he thought it was unthinkable because he had this knowledge that anything, you know, now he was now he was cured. He felt he was cured, um, and yet he was drunk in a short time. You know, there we go again. Anytime I rely on myself, I'm in trouble. And and so was Roland Hazard at that moment. Um, and trying to figure out why. Well, the why, simply the definition of insanity. You know, thinking that I can go and do something again that I, <laughs> is going to take me to that same sad result. The other part of this, though, that I think is is so confirming is that it's when in the line where it says he can go anywhere on this earth where other free men may go without disaster, providing he remains willing to maintain a certain simple attitude. Well, what is that attitude? That willingness, you know, that I have to have every day to take action, to follow my program, to be um, constantly working on my relationship with my higher power, keeping that, you know, as my priority and um, keeping God close. And then if I'm willing to do that and continue to take that action every day, then I can go anywhere. I can go to a potluck. I can go to a bakery. I can go to a birthday party. I can go to a candy shop. I can go anywhere, be surrounded by my binge food, and be perfectly comfortable. I can bake. I can fix it for others. And it's and and I'm and I'm fine as long as I continue to be willing to keep the attitude and do the work and stay connected to my higher power. There's the amazing miracle of this program, and I am free today, and I'm so grateful. Thank you for letting me share. Thank okay. you. Oh, sorry. Thank you, Penny Elsie. Lynn P, go ahead. It's your turn. Uh, press star one to unmute. This is Len P from sunny Southern California. Um, yeah, I, this is an amazing story. You know, this is where the owner of Burlington Mills, you know, had all the money in the world and went to the best psychiatrist. And as Stephanie said, you know, he started with Freud. Freud was busy. Then he went to Adler, who was number two, and he was busy. And finally got to Carl Jung. And basically this story of here's a man who had every, you know, thing at his disposal. He had the best psychiatrist. He had all the money in the world. And yet he was controlled by this disease. And um, it wasn't until he found recovery that, um, you know, he couldn't throw any money, money at it. He couldn't throw the best psychiatrist at it. But it was recovery that ultimately saved him. And it's an amazing story because that's kind of my story in a lot of ways. You know, you know, I, I've played hit and run with success. Uh, I think that I can control lots of things. I feel that I'm responsible for the outcomes of a lot of things. And that's where my basic deficit comes from, my mental deficit, thinking that I'm in control. And with that, um, I have uh, an attitude, well, you know, 95% of the things go my way. What about the 5% that doesn't? And that's when I eat at it. That's when I use an addiction. It doesn't matter what it is to run away from the, that feeling of failure or feeling of loneliness or any feeling. I have a faulty mechanism for dealing with feelings. And what the big book does is it takes my hard drive, which was programmed at an early age from my parents, which was you could do anything you want, and two, emotions are bad, and three, Ice cream could solve all emotions. You know, 
those messages and programming, erase those, replace them with the messages from the big book on how to live my life, and that works. You know, Dr. Bob kept it real simple. He distilled this program down to six words. He says, find God, and that's steps one through three. He says, then clean house, steps four through nine, and then 10, help others, 10 through 12, and that's our way of life. In other words, to be not self-centered, but to be God-centered and other-centered. And that's how I live my life today. And I am free of this obsession. You know, I walked into OA over 400 pounds, and today I've lost half that weight. And I'm maintaining it. And it's all because of this recovery and this simple attitude of working steps and uh, eating perfectly and flawlessly abstinent. This has been my story and it's been working, and I'm absolutely appreciative of that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Elaine P. Elaine B., it is your turn. Thanks for your service, Amy. This is Elaine B., recovered in Massachusetts. So grateful for this meeting. And this book and this story, because, you know, it's kind of a, another way to identify in. Here I go, you know. Boy, I... I I was okay in so many areas. I was rational and well-balanced with respect to other problems. I was successful, you know. I accomplished this, I accomplished that. But, um, you know, I gave up hope for a while when it came to compulsive overeating. And then I tried to apply those things that were around me and, um, and you know, working the tools and actually trying to do the steps about six years on step four with three different sponsors, two that made me throw my work again, away and do it again because I didn't do it with them. And after six years, I really knew, you know, somebody was saying, how free do you want to be? I really knew that my God, my higher power wanted freedom for me, I had a picture of it. And But I thought I had acquired such a profound knowledge of how to weigh and measure my food and the inner workings of my mind by seeing my, my defects over and over again that I thought that relapse was unthinkable. And I went out of the room thinking I could, I never went out of the room. I stepped away from sponsors. I stepped away from the steps thinking I got this. But you know what? Just like him, I was hopeless. I was powerless over the food. I would never regain self-control. Once a a cucumber becomes a pickle, he'll never be a cucumber again. And self-control was what I wanted. I want to do it my way. I want to fit it in my thing. And I really did want to eat what I wanted to eat but not have any consequences. And so um, the food, John Barleycorn did the convincing, and I went out and I sought for help. I'm sure that um, Dr. Young did not jump from, you know, alcoholic to, I mean, I'm sure that Roland didn't jump, jump from alcoholic to Dr. Young. I'm sure he tried other things. I'm not positive about this, but I recall he was in Oxford group meetings. I was I was in church and I found food there. <laughs> so I gained and gained and gained. And so um, anyway, I live. I'm a free man. How did I get free? I had Jar- John Barleycorn convince me, the food convinced me that, you know, I am powerless and I need, I'm beyond human aid. I need an entire psychic change. I need a new outlook. I need the help of a higher power. And when I grabbed hold of these steps, doing one step at a time, I became unblocked from that power. I had a level of relationship with God, but there were things I didn't understand, didn't um, believe, and relationships that really blocked me from being able to receive the access that I needed to bring the ease and comfort that I require (laughs) on a regular basis and how a design for living that really works, that teaches me how to deal with my emotional nature my food in different situations, one day at a time, day after day, if I, rem- <laughs> I, I will stay without disaster if I remain willing to, remain, to maintain this attitude. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Elaine B. Kathleen O., it is your turn. Thank you. Good morning, Amy. This is Kathleen O., recovered in Northern California. So Roland Hazard... Um, you know, an educated, wealthy man, goes to Switzerland and spends a year with, with Dr. Young. And, I mean, that's in those, in the 30s, that was for the, the rich and famous, I think. Not many people could afford to do that. Um, and so he goes and spends this 
this year getting treatment, and above all, he believes he had acquired such a profound knowledge of the inner workings of his mind and this hidden and its hidden springs that relapse was unthinkable. And it turns out this is just another middle-of-the-road solution for him. Um, you know, I took psychology classes in college. I learned a lot about the mind. Um, and when I came in, well, even before I came into, um, you know, 12-step recovery, I knew food was definitely a problem in my life. But, you know, my mind was my biggest problem. And it turned out that no human aid worked. You know, self-knowledge did nothing to stop um, Roland Hazard from picking up, and it certainly never stopped me from picking up. Um, and, you know, with Roland Hazard, eventually he finds sobriety through the spiritual practices of the Oxford group, and then he helps Ebby, and Ebby helps Bill W., and here we are all today. Thank you, God. Um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of people talk about the easier, softer way. And personally, I think the spiritual solution is the easier, softer way. By picking up the spiritual toolkit and following the simple directions, I don't have to fight the food anymore. Um, and, and that's really a miracle. You know, this has, these steps have changed my relationship with food, changed my relationship with people and just living life. Um, you know, we no longer have to fight anyone or anything, including the food. And it is all contingent on working these steps daily and being God-centered. I have, when I came in originally, I was given the gift of, of abstinence. It was pretty easy. I felt really good. I was cruising along my way feeling great. And, and after a while, um, you know, I started thinking, hmm, I think I can do this on my own. And I have learned that my addict, if I enter a race with my addict, even though I have self-knowledge and a lot of willpower, my addict will always, always win the race. And resting on my laurels even one day at a time, I'll, I can get little thoughts of, oh, you know, this is going to be okay if I just do this today. So for me, the easier, softer way is to work this program like my hair is on fire every single day and pick up the spiritual toolkit, stay God-centered, and um, thank you with that I pass. Thank you, Kathleen O. Sally W., it's your turn. Sally, press star 1 to unmute, please. Okay, well, maybe we'll get back to Sally here. Uh, Christina J., do you mind stepping up in the Hello, queue? Hello, can you hear me? Is this Sally or Christina? It's Christina J. from Washington State. Yes, go ahead, Christina. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that race with the addict. <laughs> Isn't that great? Mm-hmm. That's so true. Um, yeah, thank you, everybody on the line. The shares have been wonderful. Uh, you know, I searched for knowledge all my life about this craving for food, um, and I got it over and over and over. I had all the whys, and I had the tools. I had the diets and the exercise and all these whys, uh, and all this was supposed to keep me from overeating. But over and over, and I was in the food, and I thought, well, that diet wasn't right, or I've got to exercise more, or, you know, I had no idea that I was crazy inside from all my resentments and fears, mostly. Um, one of the last diets I went on two or three times was the famous Optifast diet. I don't know, some of you may know that. It's a I think it's a four or five uh, shake diet during the day. It has weekly support, Um, basically a starvation routine. And um, when I first started that diet, my husband went to work in the afternoons. And the afternoon came, and I was on the bed resting, and I began to feel the depth of my loneliness for the first time in my life. And I thought, that's why I eat. And the words lonely, angry, hungry, tired really began to make sense to me. Um, But again, I had no idea that I was being driven by this vault of resentments and anger and fears and just, uh, you know, manipulation and impatience and judgments. And over time, I lost the ability to diet. And um, I had no idea how to handle any of my craziness. I, I, I really wasn't aware of it yet. I didn't become aware of all that until I got into OA. Um, none of the whys and the knowledge ever helped me. 
Um, I thought it would. I thought that was the key, the secret key. I had, you know, I was sitting outside the post office one day, and OA said, make calls, use the tools. So I made a call. I was sitting outside there. I was so, like, anxious to eat. You know, the obsession was there, a phenomenon of craving. And I made all the calls, and nobody answered. And I thought, you know, I'm going to experiment. I'm going to go have one candy bar, and that's going to take care of my problem. Of course, we know what happens with one candy bar. And I was off to the races. You know, it's mandated that I will continue to use unless I become willing to work this program. And that's what I learned in all my relapses lately, is that I have to work this program every day. And it's so simple, really. Make some calls. Reach out and help people. Read in the book. Listen to the vision meeting. You know, what's so hard about it? It's it's so much harder to pick up and then fall into that craziness. So today I'm very grateful. And today I'm willing. Today I'm willing. Thank you, God. And tomorrow, when maybe I don't feel willing, I need to be willing. I need to remember that that addict is out there at the at the starting gate, ready to race with me through the day. So thank you, everybody, for listening, and appreciate you all. And I'll pass. Thank you, Christina J. Uh, Sally W., are you back? You'd like to share? If so, press star 1 to unmute. Okie dokie. Well, then we are going to go Hi, ahead. I'm back. I'm back. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> go ahead, oh, thank Sally. You so, thank you so much. I'm uh, Sally W., recovering bulimic compulsive overeater from Park City. I'm so grateful to be here this morning. I really, uh, what everyone said has really resonated, especially the reading as far as Carl Young. Um, really realized that that's good about me. I really sought out a really brilliant psychiatrist or uh, people or meetings that I felt were worthy of my brilliance and intelligence because I'm so much smarter than everyone else. Ah! Sorry, my puppy just ran off an elk. Um, just really wanted to acknowledge this program. I came back after first being involved in 80 and basically in and out of abstinence, mostly out of abstinence. And I'm um, really appreciative for the opportunity to attend these meetings and be part of this group. Um, for today, I feel good in abstinence. have a sponsor working the steps. And um, just felt a lot of humility for my life and gratitude for being able to eat my free moderate meals a day. Uh, nothing in between. I'm just so grateful to be here. Thank you for allowing me to share. It's a wonderful abstinence weekend, and I'll Thank you, Sally. Do we leave our phone numbers on this meeting or not? Uh, not till the end of the meeting. If okay. you want to okay. chime back in, that would be great. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Mel will come on. Melanie will come on as a newcomer greeter, and then there'll be an opportunity later to give numbers. So that would be great. Okay, who else would like to share? Jody EQ. Okay, Jody, I've got you. Who else? Hi, um, this is Anthony. This is Kathy Joe. Anthony Sherry H. Sherry K B. Okay, hold on. We got Sherry K B. Okay. Terry H. Terry H. Did you say or Sherry? Terry. Okay, Terry H. Okay, so I've got Jody E Q, Anthony, Kathy, I didn't get your last initial. Melanie E. Melanie E. And Melanie. And Lindsay B. Lindsay B. Lindsay. Rebecca P. Rebecca, I think that's going to be good. I may have gotten their, your last initials not correct, so if so, please correct me. But right now I've got Jody EQ, Anthony, didn't get your last initial, Kathy, didn't get yours either, Sherry KB, Terry H, Mel C, Lindsay B, and Rebecca P. So go ahead, Hi, Jody. Anthony, my last initial is S. Hi, and it's Mel E. Instead of C. Okay, I got that. So, Jody EQ, go ahead. Good morning, everyone. This is Jody EQ, 
very grateful recovered compulsive overeater in the central California. So I'd like to reflect also on this last uh, sentence. Willing to maintain, as long as we're willing to maintain a certain simple attitude, we can be free men. So what is this simple attitude? An attitude of humility? I can't, but God can. I'm powerless. God has power. Reliance on that power instead of self-reliance. And a willingness to serve my higher power to the best of my ability and also to obey my higher power. Turn my will, everything I think I want, everything I think I need, to turn that over, to surrender that to the God of my understanding. It's all order. But the good news is that when I do that, I get back everything I thought I was giving up and more. I get back a life beyond my wildest dreams. And I'm willing to turn it all over to God. I, I receive so, so much. I receive my life back. And to obey, to pray for knowledge of God's will and the power to carry it out and to carry it out once I receive that guidance. To follow the light I've been given so that I may receive more light. This is how I understand this certain simple attitude today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jody. Anthony F., please go ahead. Hi, thank you for having me share. This is Anthony. Um, I wanted to share on the um, on this reading because I was thinking about my experience with um, with this topic with uh, compulsive overeating, um, and I've in in my in the last like years I've been trying to um, do a lot of different things to stop myself from eating um you know like it got so bad at the end like I couldn't even get from like like when I was driving I couldn't even get to where I'm going because I would constantly just stop and eat and it's like you know that that's unmanageable and so I realized that that was unmanageable so I came into this program and um I eventually got a sponsor and now I have a sponsor and I'm he's walking me through the steps um, and I'm recovering, uh, I feel, like, peace coming, like, in bursts sometimes, like, it depends on the day, like, it depends on how much I'm working the program, um, you know, if I'm doing my calls, if I'm going to meetings, um, it's really just, like, one day at a time, though, um, but I think I really reached, um, the lowest that I could reach, you know, with eating, um, and now it's like I'm so hopeful because I keep hearing people talking about this like recovery and I'm starting to feel like peace coming. There are certain times when I feel such peace that that I don't even feel hungry. It's like, you know, and that's kind of, it might sound funny to you all, but to me it's it's not because like I always constantly just want to eat because I'm always so scared of everything. Um, and lately like I've been having less fear I've been able to talk to people more. I can just kind of be more myself. Um, and it's just like this crazy like feeling of like, okay, so, you know, like for all these years I've been looking at people and um, and I've been saying, wow, I'm so different. I am so different. There's no way that I'm ever going to be like these people. And there are even certain people that now that I look back at it, they were probably like recovered people. And I used to say, oh, they just don't want to have any fun. They are just so, um, you know, I would just look at them so negatively. And then I I realized that actually those people had peace in their lives, even though, like, to me, you know, who was full of character defects, like, looking at them, um, they seem like they are just annoying or, like, obnoxious people who are just trying to follow the rules. But then I realized, like, 
those people probably felt so much peace inside them, and they were probably just trying to be the best version of themselves and to do the right thing. And, you know, that's the right way to live. And that's how that's how one seems to become recovered. That That's how I'm seeing it. Um, and anyways, you know, this man who's, who his story is put in the big book, um, you know, how he goes to Europe, and at that time it's not that easy. And he spends a year there with the really... Um, recognized psychiatrist and he's just like done he's like I don't know what else to do I'm gonna go try this you know and he goes for a year and and still he can't do it and and that to me is just like kind of how I feel it's like I I've tried so many things and I still like you know there was nothing and and I found this program and now I'm like feeling this peace coming from within it's not like from outside it's not from things that I, I can Time. do outside. Oh, thank you. Um, and it's coming from my higher power. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Anthony. Kathy Jo P., it's your turn. Hello, this is Kathy Joe, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Minneapolis, and I was at a gathering this past Saturday and was talking to someone I haven't seen in 16 years, and she's a Weight Watcher, maybe one of us, and she told me two tricks she has. One, when she comes home from something, she doesn't turn on a light in her kitchen because she doesn't want to see food. And the other one is that she puts her treats up on a really high in a cupboard, so she has to get out a little ladder to go up there. And as I listened, I thought about all the tricks that I had or didn't have to control food and how I felt that I needed to have the lock and key that's talked about in here. And I at times wished that I could have had my wire, my mouth wired shut. I wished that I could be at a camp that would last forever that would lock me up so that I would not be this crazy animal out there with the food. I um, just, I felt like, if the, you know how they have nanny cam? I was like, I need the, you know, sponsor cam, even in a way. I thought if there was a way that she could watch me every single second, then I would be okay. And this was even when I had already put down the sugar, which was five years ago. Um, I went on a cruise last week, and someone said to me, how do you take advantage of all the food you can eat when you're on a cruise? And where it says he is now a free man, I it never occurred to me that a way to enjoy the cruise today would be to eat as much food as I can. Those thoughts are gone for today. And I feel incredibly grateful about that. And it's a miracle. It's unbelievable. When I was in the food, sometimes I would pretend to myself that I didn't care. I somehow or another would tell myself it's okay to weigh 303 pounds and it's okay not to be able to walk up a hill and it's okay not to fit in a ride at an amusement park or to get the lap belt on the airplane. I tried to pretend and I no longer can pretend and I no longer can pretend that it's okay not to make an amend when I need to make an amend or to do a 10 step when I need to do a 10 step. I'm doing it a day at a time. I'm still a little baffled by it all because I can't believe where I am because I never dreamed in a million years that all of this would be possible and I am so grateful to all of you that have helped me along the way and with that I'll pass. Thank you, Sherry KB. We're going to have time for a few more. I don't think we're going to get to everybody, so sorry about that. Uh, go ahead, Sherry KB. Please go ahead. Thank you. Your Good turn. morning. This is Sherry KB in Northern California. Grateful you're covered compulsive eye reader. Thank you so much for your service. Um, interesting enough, I've been listening to everybody and love hearing about the history and all of that and um, you know, doing this work as if my life depended on it. I'm not keen on having my hair on fire, but I'm definitely... If, as if my life depended on it, um, for sure. Um, and wish above, and in the first paragraph, he talks about he wished above all things to regain control. Um, you know, that's everything I wanted to do. You know, I just wanted to get this down and get on with my life. Little did I know there was so much more to it than just my self-control and my self-will. 
and he had no control whatever over alcohol. I had no control whatever over my eating. I thought I had control of everything else in my life, um, but my food ran the show. My food showed me how I felt and everything, and that's how I based my life was on the food. I didn't realize I needed to base my life on a higher power. In the second paragraph, he talks about the, that the, the doctor said, you know, that he was utterly hopeless, that, you know, he, he tried to help him, he's utterly hopeless. But then by the third paragraph, we're reading that he's a free man, it, it, only because he, sir, he, he sorry, main, was willing to maintain a certain simple attitude. And that, to me, is the bottom line, is that I'm no longer running the Sherry Show. I have to rely on a power greater than myself. I have to stay in these steps. I have to work the steps as if my life depended on it. And also, not only go through the steps, because that's the spiritual experience I will have, the psychic change, and connect with a higher power, there's something also very, very important to remember. We have 12 steps, not 11. So after having a spiritual awakening, I need to work with others. I need to carry this message out of this book, and I can remain to be free. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB. Terry H., you are up. Please go ahead. Hi, thanks. My name is Terry H., a recovered compulsive overeater in North Carolina. Um, I like this. Above all, he believed he had acquired such profound knowledge of the inner workings of his mind. You know, that was me. Um, I sought out professional help. I read books, acquired a lot of knowledge around my eating disorder. Um, I'm an educated professional with several degrees. I even placed myself in treatment programs regarding my eating disorder. Um, I could get absent for a period of time. However, I would succumb to my disease in a short period of time. I was utterly hopeless as he was. Um, being at the door of death or accepting spiritual help, I chose spiritual help most definitely. And I asked someone who was recovered to sponsor me. And when I worked through these steps, I, you know, I had that spiritual experience. You know, there's no doubt God entered my heart and life in a way that is miraculous. Yesterday, I had a a crazy day on one of those days that you're running up the down escalator. You know, the morning, the printer cut off my son's name and his graduation announcements. You know, and I was putting the blame on him, and I wanted to jump over that counter and choke him. (laughs) But I did a 10 step. (laughs) You know, and then, you know, my my sister was supposed to do something for my mother and then put it on me, and there was a resentment, and I had the tools, the 10 step, another 10 step. And then things started to happen in a clear way. And then, you know, I was able to work on starting a new big book meeting in my area working on the logistics for that. And the day just kept getting better because I was able to use my program and use the tools of my program, the steps, to clear away those blocks and move along in my day. Um, And I'm just really, really grateful for that today in my life. Um, That I I also went on a cruise a couple of weeks and the freedom um, that I had around that in um, my foods. It no longer cost me, and I was able to enjoy my foods as well. And um, I'm just so grateful for that. You know, it talks about maintaining a certain simple attitude, and that attitude is continuously seeking my higher power's guidance and continuously working the steps in all areas of my life and taking that action. It's great to have willingness, but willingness without action is um, all for naught. And so I'm really grateful that I have that in my life today, and I can use these tools in all areas. So thanks for letting me share a path. Thank you. Mel E., you are up. Hi, this is Mel E. Mm Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm calling from Brooklyn, New York. Um, I wanted to share that I came to the program a little bit over a year ago, and uh, I do not experience the recovery I want. Um, Before I came to program, I spent 11 years in psychoanalysis, and while it helped in uh, many areas of my life, 
it did not help with the compulsive overeating. Um, I'm on step eight now, um, and I'm working the program pretty diligently. Um, but I'm still, I still have the obsession. And, uh, yeah, I hope, I can't go to a face-to-face meeting today. That's why I'm calling. I, I hope I will experience the recovery I want. Um, what I've experienced, though, in working the steps is that, in my case, I, am, I realized I am eating because of my behaviors. This is something in 11 years of psychoanalysis I did not know. So um, I'm, it's, a, it's a realization that came to me recently. It was very helpful. Um, I heard it another fellow share what made her eat, and I, it really resonated with me, and I looked at my life, and I can really see that um, the moments when I want to eat uh, are definitely the, no, the moments I want to know myself because of things I mostly say to others. So um, anyway, I guess my higher power is giving me the recovery uh, in his time, I I will continue working the steps, and that's it. I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mel E. And we are going to wrap things up so we have time to greet newcomers. I'd like to thank everyone who has shared and made this such an awesome meeting, especially our readers, Stephanie L. Uh, Carolyn S.H. is going to read a vision for you here, and Rossi G. for being back up. So please, could we go ahead? Carolyn S.H., and read a vision for you on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Carolyn S.H., gratefully recovered in Massachusetts, page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.